welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Seppi Yoon, Chief Game Designer at Fight in a Box. His newest title, Conquest Princess, Fashion is Power, is currently on GameFound. Seppi, welcome to the binge. How are you doing, sir? Thank you so much for having me. Can oh. I say, James, I really appreciate a man with a retro futuristic robot collection. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, the collection is growing. It is. Uh, we, we've got those retro bots going and uh, it certainly puts a smile on my face every day as I sit at my desk. So thank you for noticing. Oh, so- my gosh. When the machine overlords conquer your uh understanding of their past and future will make the machine overlords love you that much more james well certainly i'll understand hopefully the mechanics of how to maybe disable them as they're trying to take over right so seppi um so fight in a box uh just before we got on air you and i don't know each other we were literally just meeting now uh right before we went on air i mentioned that uh, i first found you on tiktok love your content Anybody that uh, loves to have someone who's just energetic and talk about uh, the board game industry should definitely check out your channel. It's great to watch. But you also do game design and uh, publishing and things like that. So we're going to get into that on this actual episode of the podcast. Before I get started, I thought you could maybe take us through how did you get into this industry? Like, where did you start? Well, um, all all of this really started for me in the 70s. Uh, when I started playing uh, role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, my brother was a terrible influence on me. And so I, you know, you pick up that thing, you go, oh, this is my personality now. And so (laughs) it really started then. I wrote my first game in the 80s. Uh, Like anybody of, of my generation, we all thought we could do Car Wars better. Like everybody I know in and around my age all tried Car Wars. Uh, but this iteration of me writing games had everything to do with the first dot-com bubble. Okay. Uh, and in dot-com, if you could say dot-com, you could get a job. Uh, mm-hmm. I had somehow proven myself to be competent, and therefore they wouldn't let me go. And so I got my stuff done early on any given day. And they said, hey, I said, hey, do you want to send me off? I could go to this other client or I could go do something else. And they said, no, you must sit down and stay there and we will pay you. I'm like, I will go crazy. Can I do whatever I want? And they're like, sure, do whatever you want. I'm like, it's gonna be mine. They're like, yes, it's yours. I'm like, so they paid me before the first bubble burst for like 30 or 35 hours a week for me just to do game design. And I did that for like six months and I realized I loved it. So were you programming then? Is that the kind of game design you were doing? I was doing web. Uh, I was doing web development for places like BestBuy.com and Medtronic.com, and uh, I I wrote this game in the '80s with my friends, and I was revamping it because I thought it really deserved some love. It was a game based on kung fu, like Shaw Brothers martial arts movies, mm-hmm. and I worked on it for like six months. But the, just the very process of bringing it back to life reconnected me with pieces parts of myself, and I and I absolutely loved it. So. That is how this became like, oh, I really want to do this. And then in 2009, I wrote End of the Line and, uh, you know, Kickstarter was a thing. And so then we 
created a plan, me and my friends, to, to make a company. And that's in now, uh, in 2020, uh, 2013, Fight Box started, and I've been doing it uh, full-time ever since. Oh, wow. So the decision to kind of leave physical programming, because, I mean, now you're it's analog, right? So it's all tactile and so forth. Was that a hard decision for you at all, or...? No, I mean, I was a, I was a passable web programmer. I was mm. not good at it. Um, I was good at like interfacing left brain people to right brain ideas and vice versa. That was sort of my strength, uh, mm -hmm. fitting in the cracks between them. Uh, my, my first specialty in and around.com was digital imaging because I had started as a, uh, a photographer helping people get off of physical film onto digital backs. Mm. That's how old I am, James. Wow. That's how I started my time in .com was working on that. So it was not, it, yeah, uh, it was not like a really big leap for me. But all the things that I had ended up learning in that, like from the early 2000s to, you know, 2012, after the economy went to poop and then, you know, the print economy really, disappeared um all those skills ended up becoming very good for publishing games yeah it's interesting to see uh i mean i'm an 80s kid as well and to see the evolution of this industry right and how it's gone from you know having kind of like three giants uh you know dominating everything to everything kind of fracturing and then uh global sourcing and you know the global economy really giving and then the digital age has really given access to you know the smallest potential publisher uh to create like literally anybody can create a board game now right uh, they, it, yeah they can like and it's all about your ability to build a community and get past the the media blockade yeah that is the real like logistically now it's easier than it's ever been but communication wise it might be it's most difficult I'm going to use, that's a great term. I'm going to, I'm going to use a media blockade. That the is media blockade. Yeah. It's stellar. really, you know, it's really, really hard. So yeah. you do crowd funds. You're good at it. You've successfully funded. Eh, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, meta is the engine that takes a sort of successful campaign and makes it a blockbuster. Yeah. Well, what people don't know is it is 30% more, uh, it's more costly to get, women gamers to see your project oh yeah and that 30 percent actually makes it a fail for every digital marketing playbook that uses social media mm -hmm. so that means your social media content probably will not get to women gamers interesting how much so how how deep do you guys get into like the stats and things like that like having a digital background obviously i think you're probably uh, get deeper into the weeds the most. Um, is this is this part of kind of your process? Do you guys really kind of do a lot of post gaming and a lot of analysis and predictive models and things like this? Or uh, a little bit of that. Um, mm. When I was an adult, I was VP of marketing for software development companies. Yeah. That's how I ended up after I kept on getting promoted. Like he can't actually do a thing. Well, he can boss around other people and help them with their math of the thing. And so that's. Uh, so like lead generation and all that kind of stuff and yeah. understanding like cost per click, but most importantly is the behavior of uh, people interacting with social media and interacting with the product before buying. That I think is the most critical piece of information that yeah. somebody who does what you do uh, or what we do uh, should like internalize before they go on this journey. Like somebody does not 
buy your game or click on your piece of content the first time they see it. They're going to do that probably for the first time, the ninth through the 12th time that they've seen it. Yeah. It is a grind. Uh, And I was talking to a colleague about this um, literally yesterday. And, uh, you know, I was going through a recap of our most recent campaign and they're like, Hey, you obviously funded more this time than last time. What did you do differently? Yeah, we went through it, right? And we talked about here's kind of learnings I had, here's the things I did differently. And uh, but we we both kind of had that that moment where we just said, Yeah, this is a grind. Like it is not, it is not as easy as it looks from the outside. And this is why it, I looks, always, it looks easy, James. Well, it does for some, right? I know, but like for some, it does. Cause I mean, I was talking to somebody a, a few months ago, and they're again, they're asking me for advice on their game and and, you know, I was saying, like, how big is your your email list? How how how, how many pre-signups do you have? Things like this. And and the numbers were microscopic uh, in the grand scheme of things. And their funding goal was not reflective of what they had set up going in. And I, I just said, guys, like, it, this is very mathematical, right? Like, you might be in for a world of hurt if you don't make some either A, get that uh, funding goal down. And there's ways to do that use a small run uh, manufacturer like um like uh what do you call it print and play or even uh you know uh game drive through rpg or yeah yeah either yeah. those guys can literally print on demand you can do less than 100 copies if you need to if you want to kind of get your your toe in the water and then if you if you fund more than that and get more than 100 backers then you can switch over and use manufacturer straight from china but you still have options on ways to get that initial funding target down and um and it kind of fell on deaf ears. It's like, you know what? Unfortunately, they're going to have to go through the grind and learn the hard way like we did, right? Which is, it's 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 tough. And um, there's a lot of learnings that come through failure. And failure can be a great educator. I try to learn as much as I can from other people's failures. But you got to be open to learn from other people's failures, right? And not try to convince yourself that no, 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 is different with you. Uh, you know, there's some pretty consistent themes across the board, so... Yeah, like one of the like important yeah. numbers for like we ended up on GameFound with our latest project is your initial following. Twenty five percent of those people are going to end up converting to backers unless yeah. there's some other something. And you got to grow that one way or another. That math is pretty consistent within uh, plus or five, uh, five plus or minus five percent. Yeah. And so yeah, so. If you want to know how you can help your campaign, work on your following uh, leading yep. up to it. That's it. So it's very simple. You're like, oh, and a quarter <laughs> of those people are, if if a quarter of those people get you to your funding goal uh, in the first 24 hours, then we have a whole different mass cycle that we get to talk yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because a lot of um, people in this industry uh, you know, would classify themselves as, as introverts, right? And, you know, they they like the design side, but, you know, they don't necessarily want to put themselves out there on the social media or in terms of that. And you got to kind of force yourself, either A, uh, force yourself, or B, you bring somebody onto your team that's going to act in that role, or C, just pitch your game to, to publishers, right? And have your yeah. publishers mm-hmm. kind of take the baton. The Conquest Princess is our sixth title, and uh, I have never put my name on any of the boxes. Why? Is there a reason for that? I never wanted it to be about me. Uh, And only since 2020 did we change the focus and put me front and center for people to see. Like, we don't really have a big, strong media footprint prior to that. 
And uh, and I can thank the pandemic for that. They're like, okay, the only way that we're going to make this happen. I had a lot of horrible things happen to me from 2018 to blah. But and so in the reboot of all this stuff, as you say, I would prefer to quietly sit and contemplate games. Oh yeah, me too. And I said to somebody the other day, they're like, I don't believe that you're an extrovert. I'm like, you have no idea <laughs> how, this, how I need to have a nap after I'm like any kind of public event at all or any kind of talk. Uh, like I, I crash, right? I, I feel so seen by that, James. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Um, the thing that fo folks need to know who are then like you and I, um, the person that you portray in front of the camera for media is yeah. part of you. It's just a part that you shine put makeup on and get ready for uh, for the presentation. It is you, but it is a really a specific part of you and not really yeah. the whole of you. Yeah. Uh, and if you can do that, then you can do what your company needs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's talk about Conquest Princess. So where did this come from? And this is, so this is your sixth game, is it you said? It's our sixth title, yeah. Wow, congrats on that. I mean, to... Uh, to get beyond like a couple games, you're officially a publisher at that point, right? And uh, oh yeah, oh my gosh, really? That's amazing. <laughs> so it's on Game Found. So why, first of all, why the decision to go on Game Found versus Kickstarter? Um, uh, Chip Theory. Uh, I was very lucky. Uh, Chip Theory this year decided that they were going to institutionalize uh, their um, industry champion award. And that means somebody they think is helping gaming be the best that it can be. And mm -hmm. so um, they let me know that they were going to uh, award it to me. And, oh, and what it means for folks who don't know is they are paying the shipping for my project from uh, China to the United States. Because wow. there was such a big deal of uh, small publishers having problems with all these kinds of things in the last X number of years. So like, hey, let's take that worry off of uh, off of your backers. And as a grant or endowment or whatever you want to call, we're going to take care of shipping. So you don't have to worry about it for cost or any of the considerations for your campaign. And so that is a great thing to have. And so they current they their current project was the uh, the Elder Scroll game that they worked with Bethesda mm. for. Yep. Um, huge success, four point six million dollars. And so they're like, hey, um, we're over here. Maybe you should try it. And so um, because their audience is there and they uh, did this award and they were going to have announcements in and around it, we said, hey, we, we'd give it a try. And then so uh, and congrats so far. You've, you're at 25,000 in funding. I uh, still got 10 days left to go. Um, so this Conquest Princess, the idea of the game. So where where did this come from? Is this like someone's like, was somebody on acid when they came up with this? Or this <laughs> wake up in the middle of a dream and it's like, let me write this down on a piece of paper or what? Like where did this come let's, from? Let's, first of all, let's talk about it. The name Conquest Princess refers to the giant robot. So this okay. is a classic anime giant robot name. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, you play time agents like people would not think the theme was that weird if I called it CP 10,000 uh, gear up for battle. But no, what I did is called it Conquest Princess Fashion is Power. Um, if folks liked the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I love that movie. Yeah. You would not have wanted to go see that movie if somebody said it's about a woman coming to terms with her lesbian daughter. Mm. Or it's about the most emotional moment you'll have with a rock and googly eyes. 
no one would have had that exact same feeling if somebody had told them any of those things. But those are actually what the movie is about. That is yeah. actually the dead. Yes. So I did the mistake of telling people that uh, it is about a giant robot, it is about time agents, and the core mechanism of the game is about using these items created from the Titan field, the creative fabric of the universe, as power in your time spaceship. Wow. <laughs> okay. And then, so it's a one, so there's actually solo mode as well, right? It's one to four players. It, yeah, one to four players, crisis management game. It's fantastic. The reviews are, uh, and you don't have to take my word for it, uh all well, the go reviews. to the page i'm on the page right now i mean you got dan and radcliffe on here you've got um uh i don't know her name uh danny's uh standring i should yeah. know her she's everywhere yeah, but she, I've never she is everywhere. Her. we'll get her on the podcast next she's great she um is. yeah you've got some like high level names that are speaking very very positively about this which is great the components look awesome um the tiles you got these kind of like, are they glow-in-the-dark tiles, or are they just tinted, or like these? these... Uh, we did a good, they're, they're acrylic. Yeah. Um, they make an amazing clickety-clack noise. The 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 reason that that's so important is this is uh, not only a crisis management game, but it is a co-op bag builder. Okay? Right. The, the, the uh, unique me mechanic in this game is that you all share the bag of destiny for when you're firing at enemies. And okay. when you shoot a bad guy... If you hit them, that hit leaves the bag and stays on, on the place that the now disintegrated bad guy or blasted bad guy was, Got which it. means your chance of hitting in the future goes down. Mm. Well, simultaneously, if you uh, critically fail or take a miss, the agents hold on to that. And so this bag building back and forth, trying to optimize while the game ramps up in classic crisis management fashion is what uh, has created so much sizzle. Also, the integration of the theme, the story, and the mechanisms is, you can see that I put six and a half years into this game. Yeah. I went through two sets of writing partners. <laughs> and yeah, like the first iteration, it, it got rebuilt from scratch nine times. Wow. It, it looks super cool. I mean, and and just reading the reviews as well, uh, people are very complimentary about it. And in terms of replayability too, which it seems like the, that that seems to be a factor as well. People seem to say, "Hey, this is something I I would play several times over and over again," which is, which is awesome. When I look at this versus some of the other games you guys have, um, the genre you get you seem to kind of play in is this kind of quirky world type thing. If I use the example of the uh, was it is it cheese mouse cucumber or something like that's called or yeah cheese mouse cheese cat cucumber yeah mouse, cheese cucumbers which uh, is, is another cool looking game like uh, the way you've got kind of the the tiles and how they slide and move from one spot to the other look uh, it, i mean looks awesome right so is that something you try to inject in all your games is this kind of i i was talking to this you're a tiktok i was talking to this with uh Kervin. like different people are attracted to different themes and yeah. i you know, if I just said uh, the clockwork tower, uh, that is a different theme. I got yelled at by Ben from Floodgate because he came up with a better theme that would have more hit the niche for what I would. Because like Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber is fantastic. It's mysteries and maze building. Yeah, um, great. Uh, but he's like, you know, Seppi, if you had done Alchemist Plumbers with this game, you would have uh, hit it out of the park. And I think he was right. 
Like the I, you use the word alchemist with board gamers, they understand that the game is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. You use four consecutive nouns, uh, two being foodstuffs and two being animals. People think that it's going to be cute. It's not going to be mind meltingly hard. But Mousey's Cat Cucumber and Conquest Princess are very difficult games. I'm often criticized as a publisher by my other publisher friends that my themes and my difficulties do not uh, match up. Interesting. So how have you decided to deal with that? Is that something that, like, are you going to stick to your guns and say, well, this is just, I mean, this is what you get with uh, with Fight in a Box. Like, you're going to get these themes that may not, you know, match with, um, you know, the difficulty of the game and, and we're cool with that or... Or will there be adjustments going forward? uh, We are always going to have things that are uniquely myself and my creative director, Mark. We're always going to do something like that. We are going to try to find where our Venn diagram of everything lies over more gamers, uh, just because we want to build more bridges of fun. But like the hallmarks of Fight in a Box are number one. uh, We have delivered uh, early on three of our Kickstarter promises and on time on the rest of them. Congrats. I don't think anybody else in publishing can say that. I can say three that. months okay. early. Three, three months early on three of your projects. Uh, of the uh, well, someone straight to retail, but of the six campaigns we had, like yeah, three of them were not three months early. Early, but not three months early. Oh, I, I've got a new bar early. now. I got to try to hit right. James, see, we, you and I are uh, obviously uh, come from the same ilk of people. I, I will also have to take a nap after this. So three. Uh, three months early and then on time on two. So that's nice. one of our hallmarks. Number two, replayability. Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber is a small box game. It is it is uh, oh, 88 centimeters wow. square. Okay. All right. 88. So guess how many pages, these size pages, the solo campaign is? 30? 80. Holy smokes. Yeah. No, the replayability, it has... Uh, not only is it a uh, one solo mode, not two solo modes, but then they link together in a solo campaign mode. And if that's not enough, you can assemble the tiles in the game like a puzzle. It is actually just a puzzle. Is it like it, it's a, there's a solo mode, but it's a versus game as well, is it not or no? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the versus mode is the one that most people know. But yeah, no, it, it's yeah. Like the mysteries and maze building, it's fantastic. Mouse cheese cat cucumber, but like it didn't mean I didn't mean for it to be weird. It just happened. It happens that way. Like Squirrel or Die is, is our most successful title. I sold over ten thousand copies of that guy. Oh, congrats! Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, and uh, it's very it's it's very simple, very fast, very brutal. Like Hedgehog Hop. Uh, it's people think it's weird. It's like dancing hedgehogs. I'm like, they're great. Like we had dancing hamsters and babies. Like what is, why is this a big deal now? You know, uh, processing is, uh, a area control, uh, social area control game. We use yeah. votes to do that. And there's only one other game in that genre of games, which is four humors. Uh, and end of the line is post-apocalyptic family survival. And that's basically the old movie, The Road, the board game. And no one should have made that game. I probably <laughs> but it got sold out. It's a fantastic game. If you like that kind of everybody loses and that's funny, then that's the game for you. It's the interesting I find, uh, like, as I kind of continue to chart my own course uh, through the on the publishing side, is this constant kind of struggle with what do I want to do versus what is the right business decision? Ooh. and 
are are you as a company going through that yet with you and your team where you look at something and say, okay, we kind of want to do this over here because we think it'd be fun and cool and quirky, but we know that we could do better or fund more if we went this other direction. And and do you ever make those decisions or do you always just default to, well, this is just kind of what we want to put out in? I have this, uh, this discussion a lot with my other publisher friends. Like a while yeah. back, I, I got to talk to Mark from Magpie. And, mm. you know, he's had some real blockbusters with the Avatar role-playing game, yeah. you know, the Root role-playing game, like all these kinds of things. And then his real passion projects are these like award-winning ones that, you know, eight people have actually played, but everybody has in their collection because they're fantastic, right? Like, yeah. the, Bla like the Blackbeard or Bluebeard, like role-playing game, people should just get a copy of this thing. It's insane. Yeah. Um, so this comes up a lot. Uh, do like, why do I have to make this game <laughs> and when? Because one of the things that um, that I, an extra burden that Fight in a Box has taken on to itself is start over with a brand new title each time. We did not like go, okay, like end of the line uh, was 10 years almost now. We're coming up with the 10 years anniversary for end of the line. Uh, the expansion has been ready this entire time. We never published it. <laughs> like and the when we were going to guess what it was time for us to reprint we were going to do it it was 2020 and guess what people did not think a game about the end of the world why it was going to be the end of the world was a good was a good time yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes it's timing too especially if you have yeah. like a um uh like a portfolio that you've kind of mapped out uh i'm constantly having to do that to shift things right say okay this is going to come this fall then things change or maybe you come across another idea you think as well, like this is going to be even better or I'm, I'm just so much more passionate about this other thing. So I need to, to, to shift stuff. I think that becomes kind of part of the process of taking kind of the pulse of the market as well. Right. And, and, you know, what are the events happening globally and, and how, you know, how should you shift, you know, in, in according to that. So um, that's probably the right business thing to do. Right when you're looking at this part, when this portfolio, right. right? Yeah, but as you know, you there's so much of a ramp up, like a media ramp up and other kinds for your title. Yeah. Like we also do what we call contesting, where we take the game and we put in front of our fans to say, "Hey, it's coming up. Uh, how excited are you about it?" And so that's an entire con year that yeah. we go, okay, that we're doing this. And this is one of the problems with me missing Origins. I'm not bringing that. Uh, title that isn't Conquest Princess because Conquest Princess passed contesting last year. Mm. Yeah. So is it always kind of previewed at the cons? Mm, um, like the real version, like that we're going to go to crowdfunding with. Yeah. If it does not pass crowdfunding, uh, contesting, we do not crowdfund it. And how do you measure the, the the contesting? So what is your measurement tool for that? Number one, you understand hooks are a lot. If we can get the hooks into the the books for Gen Con and how many people sign up, mm -hmm. then we after the those signups, we take people and have, ask you know give them a card like and do they fill it out and what do they say right and that kind of feedback and so we have both of those ends up but that ends up being like at an Origins that can be I think we ran twenty eight Conquest Princess events or something like that. Wow uh no that's too many three a day uh five days so 18 events yeah 
more or less just wow. for conquest princess so yeah that yeah that's a lot of people for like getting their feedback and it, it went favorably in gen con we did that again is there an incentive for people who who sign up to test it for to then back the campaign is there like a coupon code or something they get or is there something additional or is just kind of getting the early preview and that's it um it's usually the early preview um they get to see it as it develops like we've been working on this for six and a half years so people have gotten to see the different mm. builds as it goes along and yeah. so they get invested in all that kind of stuff um but uh that is a good idea maybe i should do that james <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to gen con because of uh you're obviously in the middle of a campaign which uh, i'm not going to origins i am going to sorry, gen you're going con. to gen con you're not going to origins um have you guys already planned kind of what the next game is after this? Like what comes next? Like what's, what's next up for you guys? Okay. So we go big game, little game, big game, little game, or that's our mm -hmm. hope. And we're going to shrink our cycle. Our cycle got a little too gangly, especially with all the things going on. It was an 18 month cycle. Now we're going to shrink it down. So like uh, 12 and sixes. And so the next thing will either be the conquest princess role-playing game or the expansion to one of our small box games. It could be a Hopping with the Stars for Hedgehog Hop, or it could be uh, the Secret Garden for Mouse Cheese Cat Cucumber. Mm -hmm. um, our next big game uh, box game after that is uh, the new edition for End of the Line, because I have promised that this is going to happen, and so I will. <laughs> like So that is literally, uh, there's also a couple of weird projects in there that it could prop up, but like, uh, Mayor Waffles Wild Skies is another one. Uh, yeah. So you're going with uh, regular themes and regular names now. <laughs> yeah, right? Is it, aren't they all regular? Like, isn't it? So if somebody wants to follow you, follow this whole journey, like uh, what, obviously TikTok, but can you tell us what your social handles are? And is it like, is yes. it like a Facebook group that can be part of or anything like that? Yeah, or? in uh, 2013, I wrestled away uh, fight in a box from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu studio in Brazil. Mm. I wow. got that. And now I am fighting a box literally everywhere. So at fight in a box. At fight in a box everywhere. Like oh, Instagram, there, Twitter. Yeah. Like YouTube. Yes. I am fighting a box everywhere. If you find it. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very easy to find. Well, for those who do want to check out uh, Conquest Princess or Princess Conquest, Conquest Princess. Princess. I almost got it backwards again. <laughs> Conquest Princess. Uh, then go to GameFound, type in Conquest Princess, or I'll even put a link in the show notes. Simply click on that. Check it out. Check out the campaign. It looks super awesome. Seppi, I want to wish you all the best in this coming year on this campaign and the rest of the games coming. Man, you guys got some exciting stuff coming up. Thanks so much. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.